Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. We will be doing a Q&A today. Um, Frank, how's it going? Hello. Frank, you look like that guy off uh, Assassin's Creed. I'm, I'm a little nervous right now. <laughs> You're seeing Assassin's Creed? Horrible movie. But the, it's the, a video, video game. game. Yeah. yeah. The movie sucked, though. <laughs> um, we did a uh, ask us a question on... Uh, Remember that? Mind if I ask you a question? Um, on uh, <laughs> just did. Kafaru Cast, and then um, we have some questions from emails we've been waiting to answer. Uh, so combined with all of that, we're going to try and knock it out. Here we go. We're going to start off. Let's see. How far along are you guys offering a bino harness? We probably won't ever offer a bino harness. We have one designed. Um, there's so many bino harnesses on the market, and for us being a smaller company, it's triage. What will we get the biggest bang for the buck for as far as taking up space, uh, things like that? And we're I'm super good friends, and Frank's friends with John Barklow. They've got a new one coming out. We're extremely good friends with Jamie Yates, uh, the ADAC. That thing is badass. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Probably Lots of good there. options out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we came up with something revolutionary and groundbreaking, but there's nothing that I see. The thing I came up with is... Is uh, magnets on your titties. Yeah, that closes it. It works really well. And then if you got your rangefinder, you can stick it to your nipple. Yeah. But then you got to have a like a nipple implant. A nipple ring that's yeah. a magnetic. Yeah. It's pretty groundbreaking, actually. Gotcha. All right. Um Best traditional broadheads for under $75. You want to answer that? <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a lot of options. Well, did they ask for quantity? For, for now, but for me, I would say VPA uh, would be one of the top contestants, uh, without a doubt. Uh, the cutthroats are another one. Um, I've had great luck with both of those. Some guys worry about with the cutthroat not um, a big hole or bleeding. The three-blade VPA is a great option. There's a ton of them out there, but um, those two would be my what I would suggest up. Um, okay, Frank, why do we run a Hilleberg shelter, and when do we choose to run that over a Kafaru shelter? You go first, I'll go second. just depends on the time of year and what type of conditions and comfort you're looking for. Uh, definitely now, this time of year, rifle season, it's almost always going to be a, like a sawtooth or a tut with a stove, depending on, or an eight-man, depending on how many people we have with us. So that stove option is uh, it's kind of a, not a necessity, but an added comfort that'll kind of keep you, keep your head in the game a little bit longer than it would, say, coming back to a cold shelter at night. Um, during archery season, I guess we go back and forth just depending on what we have in, in inventory. We didn't use the tarps all that much this year just because we uh, we were having trouble keeping them in stock. So um, I I go back and forth between a tarp, which is an ultralight option, or one of the Hillebergs that we carry, which would be a – I use a Solo a lot. I think use a Nyack. And kind of nice coming back to a uh, fully enclosed shelter. But, um, yeah, I think it just uh, depends on the time of year. I can flip-flop between a tarp and a tent early season and then late season, it's almost always going to be a shelter with a stove for me. Pretty much same with Frank. Um, if I don't know what I'm getting into, most of the time I'm going to bring a Hilleberg shelter if I don't know if I'm going to have firewood, uh, if I don't know if I'm going to be above tree line. If, um, you know, this is obviously like any time of the year at super high altitude, but 
if it's super hot, I run a tarp. Pretty simple. Um, if it's super cold, I run a stove and a teepee. If it's in between an unknown, uh, and the weather forecast looks piss poor, I run a Hilleberg. Um, you know, the, the Hilleberg is not the be all end all fix all because it doesn't have a heat source. That's where the sawtooth comes into play. But again, if I don't know what I'm getting into, firewood, let's say super rocky terrain or whatever, um, a Hilleberg may be the option. And we, I've used Hilleberg way longer than I've worked at Kafaru and they, both of the shelters, the Hillebergs and ours are both great options. But, you know, when we re- use a Hilleberg, it, it's just because it fits for that specific purpose. And in, in the case of um, high country mule deer, uh, there's not a lot of darkness to build a, a fire. Darkness. So, so we're getting back and wanting to pass out. And a lot of time there's no wood around. We're above tree line, um, you know, things like that. So it's pretty, pretty cut and dry, really. Um, how do the Sig Sauer optics rank compared to Swaro, Leica, and Zeiss? I'd say they're working on getting close, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah, I'd say they're 85%, 90%. Yeah, the uh, the rangefinder, I used both the 22, which you gave me, and the 24, I think I got from Hunter or Peter over there at, at SIG. And they're, yeah, they're awesome for their rangefinding stuff. I haven't tried the rangefinding binos, but rangefinders are pretty cool. That 2400 is badass. You put your ballistics in there, and it gives you an almost instantaneous uh, holdover for distance, and it accounts for temperature and uh, air pressure and stuff like that. So they're pretty, they're pretty sweet. And those 15s that we tried out were pretty awesome. I haven't tried the 10s yet. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, you don't, I mean, anybody listening, you don't need to ask. They're not Swaro, Leica, or Zeiss. They're just not. I mean, they're close. Um, this goes with any, uh, what Maven, the high end loopholes, Miopta. If someone's telling you one of those is equivalent to the high end Swaro, Leica, and Zeiss, they're selling you something. And we get along really well with the people at Leupold and the people at SIG. Um, Hunter is a guy I talk to all the time. Awesome dude. That range finding bino they make is badass. Um, guy had it on the goat hunt. I hadn't used it that much, but for a thousand bucks, I mean, it, it, it's fucking crushing a lot of shit. It's still not a fucking Zeiss. It's, it, or a Swaro, right? That, but a Swaro is what, $3,700, same as a Zeiss for those SFs or more than that. So you can't spend a grand and expect four grand in quality or whatever, but they're close. So when you th- talk about close, and I mean, Frank, you can chime in on this too. If you set up both on a tripod and the sun is going down, you will see the gap from the time that sun goes down to 30 minutes after darkness the gap will get greater and greater from the one to the other. That's the difference. Midday, not a ton of difference. Um, a lot of people I don't even think could tell, but they're they're not the same. And this isn't just for SIG. Now, I will say the range-finding portion of the SIG is pretty fucking badass, probably. Um, I'd say probably, well, not probably, definitely better than the Swaro um, running with his eyes on the range-finding portion. Yeah, the swords take a second to load on their yardage. I'm like looking at landers. I'm like, what, dude, what, why am I waiting 10 seconds for a, it's not, it wasn't that long, but they kind of like think for a second and then they give you your yardage. Yeah. It's funny. But those, yeah. I was impressed with the, with the Zeiss. They're like instant as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Good pant that is durable and doesn't collect an exuberant, dang dude, amount of stickers and sandburrs. 
Well, fleece. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. I'd get fleece. Berber, please. <laughs> Same thing. I'd prana zions, the cold weather Sitka timberlines. Um, you know, those Fjall Raven G100 cotton ones, they don't collect any burrs. I mean, those are beefy as hell, but I mean, I don't, what do you, everything's going to collect a little bit of burrs for the most part. Yeah, unless you're like rocking some Carhartts or something. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a four-way stress that doesn't collect a burr. I mean, it's hard. You know, we're only laughing. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. And this, it's just with those fucking sandburrs that suck. But I would say my number one pant for for cold weather solid pant is easily the, uh, for you know, whatever, still moving around the Sitka Timberline. I would say for warm weather, that Piranha Zion uh, I like that hanger pant from, from Sitka just because the pocket configuration on the Zion kind of sucks. That's probably the the big one. Oh, there's that, that cool Renegade something. It's pretty nice, too. So, I don't know. Frank, you run basically the same thing. You go back and forth between Fall Raven and Piranha. And then, um, yeah, we're the Piranha early season. Fall Raven for anything non, usually non-backpack related. And then uh, Timberlines and in the in the winter or in the fall and winter i guess yeah like the the apex pant from sitka that's the problem you you will look like the fucking hellraiser with sandburrs coming out they just <laughs> there's that's they're quiet right they're just gonna collect shit i mean it's it's it can be bad trade-off yeah yep yeah you can't have your cake and eat it too all right this is an email um hey what system were you using for your tripod and window mount um, that is a very good question. That was a badass system. That is the first time I used the Outdoorsman window mount. They sent me the attachments to pull it off my tripod and throw it onto the window mount and use the same head that was on the tripod. I think everyone should buy that, that road hunts and uses a tripod. That was fucking sick system. Um, but that's the Outdoorsman system. Just call those guys and they can lay you out on it um i actually left mine with baby gap so hopefully it sends it back little bastard my uh my window mount um but uh you were using something you, you got it on amazon or something didn't you? uh <clears throat> yeah i needed something quick to when i went out to help out with the antelope thing so i just went to cabela's and did a cheap window mount it's like seven uh, window whatever window thing for it was like 70 bucks i'm pretty sure it's made by vanguard it was like the same the same head that was on this vanguard tripod i used to have so I mean, if you're looking for something budget, then yeah, it was fine. It wasn't anything special, but it worked. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's really kind of what it boils down to, too. If you're going to buy long term, I'd say spend the money and get the outdoorsman. If you just need something, you can get, I wouldn't go below $70 because you can guarantee that motherfucker's going to break. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm guaranteed. Um, but I, yeah, that, and that system is, I mean, you're going to have five, 600 bucks wrapped up in a, in an outdoorsman system, if you get everything, eh, probably 500, but it'll last you the rest of your life. So it's kind of back and forth as far as that goes. Oh my God. Let's see. Merino or synthetic for only base layer from September through December in Alberta. I'm a Merino person personally. I just, uh, been too cold and synthetic before, but I guess some people like the synthetic cause it dries faster, but well, we're talking is, just, against the skin, not mid layer. Oh yeah, I like I I like merino. So that's yeah, me. but you and I are the same on that one. Yeah. I just I think Barclow said he likes synthetic base layers, but um, yeah, I, I don't. Know. I've always I like merino better. But you the uh, 
Yeah, he and I talked about it. The, the layer against the skin, I run merino, and then I run same fucking thing you do. You got the same thing I wear on now. I mean, you know, we Frank's got a, a, a thick swazi. I think that's called the Marlou. What's that thing is the bomb.com. It's super warm. Um, against the skin, I wear merino. One, it's warmer, but two, it doesn't stink. So against the skin, merino, and after that, I wear synthetic. I don't think you wear too much mid-layer synthetic merino, do you? No, not really. I just think, uh, yeah, when Merino gets wet, it stays. You still stay warm. Heat, heat retention. Synthetic, you get wet, you might get a little cold. It's when the wind. So where I get it is, if I have a synthetic shirt, I sweat, I stop, I glass. I get colder quicker with synthetic against my skin than Merino. And then your nipple magnets fall out. Nipple. All right, let's see here. Tips for finding mule deer. Go out and practice finding mule deer. Um, I don't even know how to answer that. Scout. Work, Too broad. <laughs> work hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, like literally. Um, I think glassing is pretty important. Too broad. I don't know. It's a very broad question, but I think glassing rather than walking. Or, this is one thing I've observed. I haven't rifle hunted mule deer in Colorado in a while, but when I went out with my dad and my brother a couple years ago, uh, we set up, I set them up to glass and I was glassing a spot and then you just see guys walking all over the place. So and pushing deer around and I think you're better off glassing them up and then making a move instead of just, uh, you know, walking aimlessly. Yeah. I, I mean, if I would say anything, sit the fuck down and use your optics forever and you're probably going to find more than wandering around aimlessly. Yeah. Um, all right. 31 and a half inch draw at 84 pounds. Any arrow that will even be stiff enough to run with 50 grain brass. I'm not sure if it's the Rampage, um, but Black Eagle has a 150 spine. You should be good with go with that. Just cut it as short as you possibly can. You shouldn't have any problem with a 150 spine. Uh, this is a good question. Is the Kelvin Down WS warmer than the LPP pullover? The, the Kafaro Lost Park pullover. Dude, if I had to lay money down on it now, I don't think I could pick one. Um, so here's the, Frank, you haven't worn that WS much, have you? No. So wearing both of them, um, the, they're both about the same weight. I would say the Kafaru blocks wind a little bit better. The WS compresses a little bit smaller. Kafaru's more durable. I think the weight's a toss up. Um, Either one of them will work, but the Kafaru in wet weather, I would choose it over the, the Sitka, um, just in wet weather. And I don't, again, warmth-wise, I, I don't know that, I can't fucking tell the difference against one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't, I can't pick, I couldn't pick one. I will say the Kafaru is more durable, but warmth-wise, I don't know that there's, I should give you one to try to see what you think, because Frank lives in his Kafaru one. What's your favorite method of sharpening? I give it to Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. That's my favorite method. Am I going to ETAR? Probably not. Tips for locating bulls this time of year. Glass. I no got comment? I got nothing. That's how you found yours. Not you a, sat in glass. Not an elk person. <laughs> sit, on a, sit on a secluded meadow and try to get away from the peeps. What's the appropriate time, appropriate amount of time to wait to go hunting after having a baby? Well, let me tell you, I've been divorced four times. I wouldn't ask me, Frank. Apparently, when I was born, my dad went the day after I was born, so 
now my parents are divorced. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which stove uh, would you recommend for both the Paratarp um, Annex and Sawtooth 18-inch cylinder? Frank's got green. What did Frank get left alone on an elk hunt? Why did Frank get left alone on an elk hunt with a 3,000 cubic inch pack? Well, well because I knew I was going to call in the cavalry once I killed, so I wasn't too yeah, concerned about it. We fucking made it, buddy. Yeah. We didn't have any problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I would have. I mean, if I was going to, if pack. I was going to be solo, then maybe I would have picked something else. But it's not. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. I had it packed to the brim, so if I, even if I was solo, it was a day hunt, and I'm not going to pack that whole elk out on my own, right? Yeah, I was just, I answered this question people asked without getting too irate. The human body can only carry so much shit. 3,000 cubic inches of deboned elk is pushing that limit. So it wouldn't matter if Frank had a 12,000 cubic inch pack. You can only handle so much. Your pack coming out was probably a hundred and something anyway and it wasn't that far coming out and so the, you know the reality of it is like i had the the mondeuse because we were testing it but i don't know how much i had in mind but i didn't want a whole lot more i probably could have handled another 30 to 40 going downhill but a 3,000 cubic inch pack on a day hunt you didn't have much gear is not bad for and you have the meat shelf or the load shelf if you want to use it so yeah that was plenty uh, yeah is it bad to leave blood on a pack? And if you do wash it, what can it be retreated with? Um, I never retreat my, my pack. The X pack doesn't need to be retreated. Um, I just hose it off. Um, I don't, Frank, you never, you, you don't wash yours, do you? <laughs> no, yeah. not really. Okay. Just with bears. All right. This one's again probably been asked answered a million times but what tripod head you using for binos and spotter i've got the uh compact medium and the large outdoorsman and i've got the jim white 2 pan head and the outdoorsman pan head frank's got the jim white 2 and the outdoorsman and a, a gitzo tripod do 12 els fit in the adac harness i do not believe so i'd ask those guys it'd be a tight fit if they did yeah what would the circumstances be for Aaron to use a rifle on a hunt? Um, money, I would say. Um, if we were going on a hunt and uh, we were running out of the last couple of days and it was, well, the goat hunt, I would use the gun on the goat on the last couple of days. Not in Colorado, I wouldn't have, but, um, you know, but then you go to Colorado, injury, right? I thought I was going to have to shoot it with a gun because of that. But for the most part, I'll, I'll stick it out for anything on a you know, with a bow, but if it's a super expensive hunt and uh, something I'm not going to get to do again, I'll grab a gun, but I'll go on just a gun hunt and not bring my recurve. I think we might go to Utah next year and go on a rifle elk hunt. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think, what if I, I grabbed a gun on my moose hunt um, as much as we were running out of time, but also I was tired of the weather. <laughs> um, and on the grizzly, um, I was not going to grab the gun and, and, uh, that was when I was going to stick out until I got it with a bow. And, and uh, Lander said, hey, they're going to ban this shit. So banning grizzly hunting did it. I grabbed the gun. <laughs> but if they weren't going to ban it, I was just going to come back next year and uh, do it again. Let's see. All right, here's a good one. Um, Frank, if you had to choose one poundage, one arrow, and one broadhead for every animal, what would it be? So I guess arrow weight, arrow 
And uh, what poundage would you shoot? Within reason, I fucking we're not talking about elephants here. Probably shoot a seventy pound bow with a Easton axis and a iron wheel broadhead. That's uh, tried a lot of setups. Super happy with the uh, iron wheel broadheads and their components. And then the uh, Easton axis has just been uh, something I've used since I started archery hunting seriously, and that's what I came back to. So I like the durability. I like the components that are offered and the grain per inch on those is kind of right where I want to be. So I think my 70 pound bow, my arrows are the Easton Axis 300. And I think they're right around like 512 or 515, which is plenty for me. So yeah. And I, I'd probably shoot 80. Just I'm comfortable with 80. Um, and, uh, the arrow I can't mention cause it's not out yet, um, that I would use, but it's, it's, um, it's just super durable, super skinny. Um, yeah, and I would shoot. I would shoot the same thing. I'd shoot the Iron Will, um, one twenty-five, and I'd probably have fifty to seventy-five up front and components. Well, I wouldn't probably, maybe even up to a hundred um, with a stick bow. I'd shoot what I'm shooting now, which is sixty, sixty-one pounds. And the Black Eagle Vintage are these arrows that are coming out. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the Eastern Axis either. Um, those are a badass arrow as well. All right. This gets asked a lot. Oh, actually, I'll answer this one first. Favorite Sony landscape lens. Um, right now I'd say the, uh, there, it'd be two, the 2414 or the 16 to 35, two, eight. Um, both of those have been badass for me. Frank's got the 18 though, and that's pretty badass too. Man, I don't use that thing enough as much as I should, but I just, I really like that 35. So that's what I, 95% of the time I'm using. Plus I'm always worried about switching lenses in the field. It's just, uh. Especially when it's fucking yeah, 49 or when you get wind going, man, you don't want to screw up your sensor. Yeah. All right, Frank, pick the top three things that go in your pack every time. <laughs> I'd say the parka for sure. Almost, I can't think of a time I don't bring my my parka. Um, probably the SteriPen or some sort of water filtration or water cleaning. So SteriPen or like an Aquamira or uh, Aqua Tabs, and then. Uh, Definitely um, some trioxane for fire starting. Yeah, I would say the same thing pretty close. Uh, you know what? The trioxane definitely. Um, the only thing I'd say is the, the Garmin inReach would be another one. Oh, yeah, be. Jesus. That's probably one of the most important the, things. The, the bottom line, and, and, and uh, Frank heard me going on a tirade about a, a discussion my wife and I had, was when I leave, there's four key things. Uh, you know, fire, right? Way to make fire. Water, way to make water, communication, a way to communicate, and food, a way to get food away or have food with you. Um, those are the four things that I need all the time. Um, I can get around anything else. You know, there's like a, the, the 10 pieces of, of kit, as Lander would say, that uh, REI will tell you. One's like a whistle, a mirror, a compass. Those are important um, for sure, but, you know, Within reason, if I had to grab four things, it's those four. That's what I stress to, to Amy to make sure she has. Maybe like a, maybe a tarp. Yeah, I mean. Some sort know, of shelter. You know, it, it, it does, certainly doesn't hurt, you know, but I don't, you know, with what we do, I'm not going to grab a tarp on a day hunt with you going for elk. But if we were doing something totally different, if we were going on a sheep hunt, I'd grab tarp, you yeah. know, so it kind of varies a little bit. Frank, do you got any questions over there? Hmm. Best socks you've ever used? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a, 
I don't get that deep into gear. I usually use, <laughs> I usually use like the first like compression socks. Uh, farm defeat for me, and then darn tough would be right there. Um, if someone kills the water bull, does the fire bull go away? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, the water bull? I don't know. <laughs> oh, do you think you will do a podcast with Kevin from Barney's? Yeah, we'd do that. We should have called him today, actually. Kevin's awesome. He's a super cool dude. Top three dry pod brands. Easy. Really right stuff. Outdoorsman and Gitzo. Not in that order, I would say, are the top three. But you better sell a testicle for a really right stuff or a kidney or something. What was Frank's time in 20.3? I fucking don't even know what that is. <laughs> I, didn't even, I was gone for 20.3, and I wouldn't be able to finish it anyway. Did you know what it was? <laughs> no. It was... Uh, I think it was twenty one fifteen nine, and it was a uh, 225-pound deadlift and then uh, handstand push-ups. And then after you finish that, it switched to 315 on the deadlift, and I think it was still um, handstand push-ups. And, uh, and then if you finished all that shit, then it was a handstand walk, and there was a nine-minute cap. And there were people that finished it like fucking pros. I think one one girl at my gym, which is, she's a badass, she got into the handstand walk, and that was it. So, it's that's some elite level stuff. Which I, you know, I don't know. Keep going. That's it. I don't. Okay, so for a guy that doesn't do CrossFit, when I see that, that is like a, the workout of the that day. This is for the qualifier for getting into the games. So this is the thing that so this is something that we were stopped talking to. Barklow and and Jeff about and it was there's there's things that uh in CrossFit basically John was talking about when he started um seeing the CrossFit workouts it was it was for quote functional fit fitness and basically workouts that uh they'll help you in your everyday tasks or say you're a hunter or what, whatever but there's a there's a certain workouts in CrossFit that I don't even attempt because I don't find them to be functional for me. So like uh, the kip, kipping pull-ups or the butterfly pull-ups or chest bar pull-ups, I personally don't see a, an application for those in normal day life, so I always do strict pull-ups. So there's certain things in these workouts that I don't even attempt because I don't find them to be functional. And I think a lot of a lot of them are for uh, time savings, like like the kipping pull-ups and the chest bar pull-ups. If you can do them, that's awesome. There's a lot of shit I definitely can't do, but um, I think a lot of those types of workouts are for people that compete. So I'm not, I just do it for fitness, and I think the cool thing about CrossFit that I see is there's a lot of workouts that I wouldn't do myself um, on my own, which is cool. So it kind of keeps you on your toes as far as variety of workouts. This is actually a good lead into a question that's I was going to wait for a bit, but okay. It, it, it basically is asking, and this was in an email, um, mostly cause you know, whatever we poke fun, um, back and forth of workouts or whatever. So first I would say, and Frank, you're going to have to actually chime in, uh, here before Frank started doing CrossFit, I would say in training, I would generally beat you by a healthy amount. And then on the mountain, we just kind of went about the same speed. After Frank started doing CrossFit, I couldn't keep up with you on the mountain. We didn't train anymore because I moved. But I would say I, if you wanted to, at any time, you could pretty much kick the shit out of me going up the mountain. Would you? 
concur with that. It certainly seemed that way from my perspective as I was sucking hind tit trying to keep up. Would you attribute that to CrossFit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's just that. I think I was, well, I was definitely hiking a lot in the summer, but I mean, it could also be you put on some good muscle there. So <clears throat> that could be, that could be part of it as well. I, yeah, I did pack on some weight, but I think longevity being, and, and, and I'm, I'm one, I give credit where credit's due. Like if I'm kicking the shit out of Frank, I'll make fun of him. And then I make fun of myself when he's kicking the shit out of me. Um, longevity, I think we're probably about the same. I don't think you and I crap out sooner or later than, I don't think it's on day nine, neither one of us is more tired than the other. I think we're about the same. Um, I would say part of that is kind of um, a double-edged sword in the sense of I have age, but I also have, I have AIDS. Um, remember that on Cartman where it, uh, with the Jared, the subway guy? He got he lost all this weight because of AIDS, but they're talking about personal trainers. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Um, you know, when you have age, you are getting probably a little bit more sore. You know, people say age is just a number, but that's a little bit of a cock shit. Um, but I have wisdom, right? I, I know paces I have to keep. I know certain things that, well, Frank's in the mountains enough. He may have that same thing, but... Overall, we have a good diet, right? We train, we drink lots of water. So, you know, what this guy is asking or leading up to is what exercises should he do? And I know, I think there was a guy in Northern Colorado that did this huge article. I don't know who he is, how much he hunts, but it was basically an anti-Aaron Snyder article of you have to do more than backpack cardio. I didn't understand that because I work out every day. So... I know you have to do more than my cardio. So I was like, huh. Um, well, I think <laughs> I, I listened to a podcast with uh, Rogan and Remy Warren like quite, like a year ago or something, and Remy was pretty spot. It's like the same thing you're saying. It's pretty spot on. You can't duplicate necessarily like going out and hiking mm-hmm. unless you go to the gym and you um, you stay on the stair climber for like eight hours. And you have to do it sideways as well to get the ankle movement yeah, and off, so, off train. Not even necessarily backpack cardio, but just getting in the mountains with a little weight on your back all day long. Yeah. That's what you're going to be doing. So if you're not like scouting, going out scouting, that could be training because you're not only scouting, but you're preparing your body. So I don't know. That guy's probably I think an ex- he's, internet expert. I, I, what I try to promote to people is, and, and I mean, I, we're, I, I was just talking to a guy, he's a buff-ass dude that competes in the CrossFit Games. He's going to hop on the podcast with us. Um, for me, if I had to pick exercises, air squats, as stupid as they are, push-ups, pull-ups, abs, basic movements like that, dips, body weight workouts, and cardio. You can get a long ways. Lunges by doing that. You do not need this extravagant shit to 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 stay fit but what you do need is discipline and a plan so what i've been getting better at and and i have a gym in my basement right now is like this morning um do you hammer i i yeah oh yeah i hammer um (laughs) is uh i did five sets of 30 air squats and i did 30 and then i went in and i did 25 push-ups and then i did 30 air squats and then i did 25 push-ups and I, I repeated that. And then I went over, I'm getting older, uh, so I'm not knocking out the uh, pull-ups like I used to. I did 20 dips, and then I did 
10, 8, 8, 8, you know, back and forth pull-ups just because I can't do as many as I used to. And usually by the fourth and fifth set, I'm down to like six pull-ups, um, you know, depending. And then when I do abs, I do the same type of a thing. I'll do flutter kicks more or less. And then I'll go over and I'll do, you know, depending, I may do some curls and then I'll do crunches. I don't think, you know, you have to get too crazy on that, but I think you need intensity, you need discipline, you need a plan, and then you got to mix it up with backpack cardio. I think uh, when you had Jessica on from the gym over there, yeah, <clears throat> I think she had a good point with, uh, she had a client come in, they said they wanted to get in shape for hunting, and her which her response to that was instead of getting in shape for hunting, try to stay in shape all year long or, you know, in a, <clears throat> in a good state of physical fitness. So you don't have to, you don't have to push it in the, when summer rolls around, you're already in, you already have the foundation there. So consistency maybe and discipline, like you're saying, are, I think are pretty important. So you don't have to, you know, once winter's over, you're not you know, busting your ass and getting yourself in, injured <clears throat> in the summer, you know, overworking yourself, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, Zeiss Victory RF. So the range finding victories versus the SLC ten by forty twos. I would say the SLCs have a slight advantage over the glass in the Victory RFs, but the Victory SFs have an advantage over the SLCs. Um, Frank, you only used UELs. You haven't used SLCs that much, I guess. No, I haven't spent too much time. But them. when you chose between ELs and S and the Victory SFs, you liked the Victories just by a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, those ELs I had were twelves anyway, and I wasn't like a huge fan of hand holding twelves. Yeah, so I went back to the tens. But um, I mean, if somebody came to the door tomorrow and offered us Zeiss, Leica, Swarovski. You're kind of picking fly shit out of chili. But the optics in a range-finding bino, because they would be so expensive, are going to be slightly under the high-end non-range-finding binos. And that's with, with all of them. Um, so I, I, from what I've seen, anyway. Uh, Swarovski's no different. Their EL range compared to their standard EL, the EL range isn't as good. Um, what is Snyder's favorite stick bow? Um, man, that's a tough one. I'm really liking that stalker, but I shot the hell out of the wingard and the widow. Um, I actually, Evan from Hoyt sent me a Satori with carbon limbs. And so I'd actually talked to the, uh, push guys and, and we're, we're actually going to do, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm going to shoot. Um, is that a sin in the trad world? It is. It is actually shooting. It a, has a, a, no soul. It has, it has no soul. But um, look at these carbon arrows I have. Yeah. I actually just got into a bit of a debate with a guy on he, about the clicker, right? He said, if you're going to use a clicker, why don't you get a compound? That's a great, yeah. I still want analogy. someone to shoot a trad bow with a fucking release and a D-loop. That would be awesome. Just to stir shit up. Um, all of the bows, the Widow, the Wingard, um, you know, that's the Stalker, that's the Tories, a hell of a bow with those carbon limbs. Um you know they're all great, man. I shoot, I shoot that stalker as well as anything I've ever shot. But I shoot all of them pretty good. What we are going to do is um, over the winter is actually do a actually documented score of 300 rounds. I am at 20, 30, 40 um, with each bow, 
and then see, you know, may the best bow win. Um, Do you know anybody that's uh, ever built everything for their trad bow? Bow, arrows, broadheads, string. I Clay Hayes might have, maybe. I don't know. Beaver ball sack on the string. I don't know. Let Built their leather patch shit on, they put on your fingers. If they're not doing that, then I don't think they can say your bow doesn't have a soul because... I was just talking to Cody Greenwood about this. He's got the trad lab thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses, not science, but I mean he breaks things down to where he tests it all so it's not just bro science. And uh, it it is weird, you know, like um, when, when when people are like, like this guy. I looked at his bow setup or whatever, and, and uh, he doesn't think clickers are good, you know, whatever, that you shouldn't use one. He's talking about tournaments, but he's using a carbon arrow. Okay, and then, you know, so where's the line drawn and everything else, you know? And Romans used the, their broadhead. They draw back to the broadhead touch. That was their clicker. Last time I checked, that was a long fucking time ago. So <laughs> anyway, um, what would you add to a 22 mag to pull off a five-day? I would add a 44 mag or a hoodlum. Um, <laughs> not, nothing's going to – you're going to have shit hanging on the outside of your pack. Did CrossFit play a role in Frank's Alberta buck? <laughs> what the fuck? Maybe the the shit talking, but no. I, you know what I would say, player old in your Alberta buck was the amount of pain you can tolerate because you sat there with no boots on in a fucking blizzard and sub-zero weather. Or gloves. Or gloves for quite some time. Is Aaron going to start taking CrossFit since Frank beats him up the mountain? No. Um, I'm not going to start doing CrossFit. I might. You never know, but I highly doubt it, especially I live in the mountains now. Because um, you, it's 5 o'clock every day, right? Yeah, you can go at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 4, 5, 6, or 7. I'm probably not going to drive down that fucking mountain to do CrossFit. <laughs> Although, I did get that badass treadmill that I can do farmer carries with. I'm going to call that CrossFit and say yes. <laughs> um, after hearing about Kafaru's growth, are you planning to expand more in Colorado? Nope. What's a good Midwest pack for packing in tree stands and sticks and packing out quarter deer? Man, that one that's coming. Um, should we talk about that? Fuck it. All right, so uh, we're probably going to get in trouble for this. Bender has designed what I feel may be the most versatile and ultimate pack in a lot of different ways. It's a cargo panel with a 1,800 to 2,000-inch cubic inch day pack sewed into it so it works and he's got a camp bag that works for it and it actually works extremely well so if you were doing the tree stand sticks and everything else you can do all that and then just compress it down you've got your day pack there shed hunting um moose quarters bear hides you know if you were going to do a four or five day backpack hunt you can use a camp bag it's pretty pretty slick um we'll have that out here pretty soon and he kind of basically took the apollo and made a much cooler day pack and then put the Apollo on a cargo panel. Fixed crawl, yay or nay? Uh, that's a nay for me. Um, I'm not a fixed crawl guy. Just a way, a different method for shooting or aiming with a stick bow. Biggest challenge of hunting the plains of Alberta as opposed to the high country? Frank, you go first. Um, it's nothing. I wouldn't say anything physical. It's more the the wind, shooting in the wind and the figuring out your clothing because you know it's super cold in the mornings and then some days it gets up to 50 or 60 or 
you know, whatever. So figuring out your clothing. But um, I think a lot of times me personally, when it's super crazy windy outside, I decide not to go shoot my bow. But in preparation for Alberta, I think it'd be a good idea to go and shoot in as windy as conditions as possible and figure out what your effective range is. Because uh, like we were talking about with Barclow, when we were both at, you know, 27, 30 yards, it wasn't like a it, did, it didn't feel like a guaranteed shot, whereas you know, you're hunting the high country and weather's archery season in general in, in the western states seems to generally be pretty good weather conditions. You're not always, you know, it's like summer up there. So I think w- accounting for shooting in the wind and then figuring out your, your clothing or layering systems is pretty important. I'd say the deer are slightly dumber in the high country too because they've been not shot at all summer and don't get road hunted and things like that so much and and when i say dumber meaning they're not quite as edgy as the deer in alberta seem to be but that may or may not be true but i i think i mean i think that realistically you can get away with a little bit more up close in high country deer than you might be able to in in alberta like i think you could have looked over that ledge on a high country buck and probably shot at where that one blew out in alberta when it was like 15 yards away. Yeah. But I could be totally full of shit. But I would say just edgy deer and terrain or, you know, kind of a big problem <laughs> in Alberta. Um, how many points on in Colorado mule deer to get to hunting without tons of people? I don't think you have that option. You're going to have tons of people no matter what. Too many people putting in for points. Yeah. Can you make another video on how to use a meat shelf? That came from that post last night on Four Hundred One Don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, does Frank ever get on your nerves? I'm sure. I probably do. I think Frank, the only time. So you have to keep in mind, uh, as Joel Olstein would say, you have to love someone for who they are, not who you want them to be. Joel Olstein. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to watch it with the crazy bitch Jody. Um, uh, and I would say this goes for any I- anyone or whatever. The only thing Frank ever does that I've had to wrap my head around is you are not a pre-planner at all. Like almost negatively pre-planner. Um, and a good example is food this year. I gave you a bunch of extra food. That is the only food Frank brought. You didn't buy any extra food. I don't own money. <laughs> but you could have told me and I would have given you more food. <laughs> And so things like that, but I would say that there's 15 things Frank could uh, um, point back that I irritate shit out of him maybe because I plan. I'll call Frank ahead of time be like, hey, what do you think? And you can tell he wants nothing to do with that conversation because Frank is not a pre-planner. But overall, I would say in in reality, I'm not going to bring up previous. When everything's a competition, when everything's an argument – you need to get rid of that hunting partner because nothing good is going to come out of it where I don't know that you and I have ever been competitive at anything. But when everything's what's the biggest deer, who's the fastest, who's the whatever, and we'll talk about our speeds, but when you kick the shit out of me, I'm like, well, Frank won today. I mean, it is what it is. But when it comes into a big dick contest, I don't think anything good comes out of it. Yeah, I don't get these competition questions. Like, what the fuck? What are we – What is this a sport? Yeah. I'd say we've lost two animals – one turkey for sure because we were arguing who was going to get to shoot and you were like no go ahead and I'm like I don't know if I can hit it and then the fucking thing walked away before we finally decided who was going to get to shoot <laughs> it's not that Frank and I don't have that that issue um, 
Let's see. What's the next big innovation in backpacking in your opinion? For backpacking? I don't, you know what? I don't know how much more you can go in, in backpacking. Um, you can only go so light without, you know, really sacrificing like durability or comfort. And I don't think there's going to be much like archery. I don't think in, in the compound bow or stick bow world or backpacking world, there's going to be more than a fraction of a percent or 1% change. So there's not going to be anything. So uh, rewind. What would you pick as the most groundbreaking archery innovation in the last, well, I oh, can't say 30. A rangefinder? Fuck yes, a rangefinder. That is groundbreaking. Next one, carbon arrows. Release. That things like that, I would say, are groundbreaking. Um, rifle. B- ballistic turrets. Adjustable turrets are a big one. Just a scope in general. Yeah, well, that's the next one, scope. So is there anything left in with technology the garmin zero site could be said that that's groundbreaking or 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 i think the guys at burris have one too is the are these groundbreaking things in some way reducing tag allocation in in archery in backpacking i don't think you're going to come up with a one pound shelter that holds two people i don't think the technology is even feasible maybe maybe in a hundred years i don't know um so I just I don't think there's going to be anything truly that you could use the word groundbreaking, um, and and, my, and I don't think I think archery is the same way, and and anything that is that groundbreaking in some ways probably shouldn't be used anyway. In in some ways, I mean, those guys had to come up with the arrow that had the tracking device in it. I mean, I think they did, um, you know. And then there's going to be an argument of, well, it'll help you find the game. There's also the argument of, fuck it, I'm going to wing an arrow and I'm going to find it anyway, right? You know, it sticks in its ass, so be it. We'll find it. So very argu- arguable of, of technology and, and where it should draw a line. Hmm. Frank, you still have a question? Hmm. Range finding binos or separate bino and range finder? What would you pick? For rifle hunting, I'd pick the range finding binos. For archery, I guess you could go either way, but... I like the added magnification on a range finding bino for rifle hunting because generally if you're ranging it um, for rifle hunting, that means it's probably further than a couple hundred yards and that's when you you can pinpoint or you can get on the animal, I guess, a little bit or your target a little bit quicker or more precisely. Whereas with a range finder, the, what's the zoom on those things? Generally four to six. Four power, so, yeah, something like that. So it's a little harder to, to pinpoint, I guess, but I guess it can go either way depending on your weapon of choice yeah um yeah and i'm kind of in the same boat like you know it just depends uh shape charge or bane pack for tree stand hunting i would say the shape charge by by far um you know the bane pack's cool but the the shape charge is just better um have you ever shot anything made by bushman bows yes i have i shot their um spartan i think it's the spartan two-piece uh with the crazy curly tip limbs um when is Frank going to get sponsored by Taco Bell? <laughs> when I'm okay with shitting myself. Actually, that reminds me of a joke my daughter told me. Um, how come Taco Bell does not have a play place like McDonald's? <laughs> Why? Because the kids are too busy shitting their pants. <laughs> um, heard on a podcast, the Muskeg maxes out at 60 to 70 pound loads. 
It's not the bag that determines the weight <laughs> that you can haul because it's attached to the frame. We've got pictures of guys hauling out full uh, grizzly bear hides with the head still attached on the frame and moose and all that stuff. So, I mean, really the, uh, the limit is almost more your limit than the frame because people have had over 200 pounds, no exaggeration on the frames. Would I do that? I probably, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't go do that heavy, but. Mike's 300 pounds, I packed him around in our frame. Yeah, so. you had Mike in the frame in a, in a grab it, which is two straps on the bottom, a piece of fabric and two straps on the top. Yeah. So I think um, people should just research what people have done as far as credibility goes. I mean, I'm no professional in any means, but there's, uh, I mean, we do a lot of things. Yeah. Take into mind who you're, t who you're listening to as far as that goes. I think when we had the, uh, when the 14er first came out, we were doing cardio with 70 pounds in that thing. And it was, it's an internally framed pack and it was still, it was still, I mean, it's not your, the best option that we have, but it was still comfortable. So I don't know where these numbers are are coming from uh aaron uh did aaron switch back to sony from nikon uh seen last you were on an a7r3 um i did for the most part mostly just to save weight that nikon d850 is a badass camera um and uh you know mostly again it has nothing to do with photo quality or anything else it just saved a little bit of weight uh was the big thing um how do you keep water thawed during late season hunts? Uh, a fire. We don't. Uh, it's just something you have to deal with. Aaron, you bounce back and forth between Zamberlin and Hanvog. Frank, you stick with Salewa. If you're going to pick one company, what would it be? I think any of them will be. Really, it's what fits your foot. So if a, a Salewa fits your foot or a Zamberlin or a Hanvog, run with run with that one. I, I don't. Footwork questions are difficult because we can only give you what fits our foot and the durability we've had with that specific boot. But if it doesn't fit your foot, then we're giving you some pretty bad advice. Um, Aaron, did you and Frank use the Jetstream for an outer layer, layer or something different in Alberta? And do you use it in the high country? I don't use it in the high country, um, or I haven't. Uh, I did use this and then that, 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 um, Traverse cold weather hoodie. Uh, cold weather hoodie didn't have wind blocker, but it was quieter. Um, this, the, the Jetstream has wind blocker. You probably wear the Jetstream more than I do, actually. You work yeah, I don't use it during archery season, but man, that's kind of my go-to for rifle season and, uh, and coyote hunting and predator hunting and stuff. That wind blocker is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So that's actually what I was wearing when I, when I killed that deer. I had, uh, this sounds like a lot of clothing, but the layer, it's a, it's a layering system. So, you know, I had a merino top. Uh, heavyweight hoodie, which is like, what is it? It's the, it's the sick of a heavyweight hoodie. Yeah. Um, the, uh, active puffy, the Kelvin active puffy jacket and then the jet stream over that. So, um, nice thing is if it get you know, if I was too hot, I'd take off one layer and then and keep that jet stream on. But yeah, it worked out, it worked out pretty well. So it's not an overly quiet piece of gear, but I've had that jet stream for, and I think you gave me that three, four seasons ago. So I've washed it a ton and it's gotten pretty quiet. Um, and it's, maybe it's lost some of its water repellency, but it's a, it's a pretty solid piece of gear. I, I wear it often for rifle. Yeah. No, and it's good. Um, any issues with blood trails using the cutthroat broadheads? Um, they can't, there's not, it's not just cutthroat. Anything that's an inch, inch and a 16th, 
um, two blade is not going to bleed as well as a two blade with bleeders or a four blade may out penetrate it. So it's kind of a double edged sword. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can have issues, whether it be to cut through or something else. If you don't hit it good, it's not going to bleed that well. Uh, this is a good one. What prevents compound shooters from crossing over to the single string or recurve? Frank? Dedication for me. For me. That's, uh, <clears throat> I think if you want to be effective, you have to shoot daily and a lot. Yeah, I don't, because you're not going to have any problem getting close, right? You can do that. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's just, not an uh, issue. If you want to be effective with uh, something that takes a lot of dedication, then you need to shoot it every day, and I don't have that that uh that want at the current time i just wounded a 200 inch fucking deer so it does take <laughs> some dedication to keep shooting it as well <laughs> yeah because uh, that wouldn't happen with the compound and that's just you know i try to be realistic with those things sub 20 yards um you know that was one of those there's other situations where the stick would be better than the compound at close range because you can snap shoot there's other situations where that is not the case, and that's just how it is. But I, uh, I just really like shooting it. So yeah, do what you like. Um, has Frank killed anything with the sever broadhead? If so, what's his feedback? I killed that deer in Alberta with the sever. It was the inch and a half. It's I think it was an inch and a half. That the smaller cutting diameter. Um, it was all right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I prefer. I prefer a uh, a fixed blade broadhead just for the fact of penetration and <clears throat> two holes are better than one if you know what I'm saying. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean that it, it did awesome. Um, you know it's a it's a good set. I like you know that uh, an expandable for wind shooting. But um, if it's if I had to pick an expandable over a fixed, I'd probably go fixed. Gotcha. Um, thoughts on custom rifles, i.e., Gunworks, Red Rocks, Precision, full custom builds for hunting. It's all you. We just had this conversation this is, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of more. A lot of people that are more knowledgeable on this, but uh, you know, if you can afford it, it's cool. I one. I think someone once told me that was a, a really good shot. That said that uh, this the glass on your gun is a lot more important than the gun at this point. So if, even if you go factory, there's a lot of good factory rifles out there, and you probably want to spend more on your glass than you do on your rifle. But um, that, that's pretty much. Like yeah, Clay Lancaster and Bart, who kill a shit ton of stuff. If you're not shooting long range, you want good glass for low light. You yeah, know, for for, sure. for extreme long range. So I think the benefits you get out of a custom gun is probably going to be more lightweight. So you get a, a, a badass proof or a Christensen barrel. It's carbon fiber wrapped. It's super lightweight. You can buy a titanium action. There's these chassis now that are magnesium, like the XLR, which is super lightweight. Or you can go with like a McMillan with a the edge fill which is like a carbon fiber stock and there's other ones out there from uh gosh i can't remember the names there's so many out there but i guess that's probably the benefit you get you get something customized to what you're wanting so lightweight or you can build something for long range shooting so um but i think glass is probably your most your most important aspect and then maybe John John would be the person to ask on that one. Yeah, I would I would definitely, you know, when people ask me, I send or them to John Pinch and Ryan Avery. Not that those are the only two. They're just the two I know in Yeah, trust. the only two I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like Whaley and my buddies in, in Idaho, Jordan and Wes, those guys do a lot of long-range stuff, and they, they have some pretty cool builds themselves. Well, and I mean, let's look at me because I'm not a gun guy. Um, we, we've got a Kimber that um, – We've got, well, we got a couple, but we got one set up for me to, to take and, and, uh, I put a loophole scope on it and 
I'll be fine with that because I'm not going to shoot super, super far away. Um, having said that, um, if John Pinch wants to make me a custom rifle, I'm going to choose that over something else. Um, one, it looks fucking cool. That one you had the other day just makes me feel tougher. <laughs> um, which, it, you know, whatever, right? But it's also lighter and it, it, you know, you can fold that stock down, which is to me pretty huge when you're packing it out. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of questions about chassis and I think the, with a folding stock, it's freaking sweet for packing in. You don't have a super long barrel hanging up above you or yeah, poking up above you. So yeah, that XLR is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, you know, me not being into this, that, the you know, cause I had a ton of questions, XLR industries. Um, I think they're out of Colorado. And if I do have a custom gun, I'm going to copy that one you had built for me just cause that was pretty badass. It was extremely lightweight. Um, you know, as far as packability was great. And, and again, it, it looked cool as shit. So, um, and I mean, looks are important. Uh, <laughs> if it makes you feel tougher. So let's see what we got here. Best Colorado high country buck tag. Get a hold of hunting fool. <laughs> Would Sitka put a goddamn pocket on the core heavyweight hoodie? I will throw that in the comment sections to them. Who's your next boyer after stalker or have you found your bow for good? Um, I shoot that stalker really well. I don't know if I'm going to switch or not. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to be shooting Black Widow PSE, the stalker Wolverine, um, the Hoyt Satori with the carbon limbs, um, the wingered, and potentially one other, and just shoot the hell out of them. And part of the testing is also going to be a springy rest on the uh, Satori, uh, which is probably going to be a little bit more forgiving than off the shelf. I'm going to try and test all of them off the shelf as well as with like a bare weather rest, but I don't want to talk too much about trad. I'm going to get hate mail from it. Let's see. Looking under what circumstances... Would you become a whitetail hunter exclusively? Exclusively? Jeez. I don't, if I, I tell you what, if I had to pick between whitetail and elk at this point, I've hunted elk a lot, I'd pick whitetail. I like hunting whitetail. Um, <laughs> but having, you know, that would also be that I get to go on a mountain hunt, mule deer hunting. So what I'm talking about is just if I had to stop hunting one and go hunt another. I've hunted elk for so long, whitetail hunting is fucking badass. I don't know how, I mean, Frank, I don't know how much you liked it. It's all right. I mean, if you had to pick one. <laughs> I pick elk hunting. Yeah. I like being in the mountains. So, whitetail hunting, I'm super f not saying I'm not appreciative of these whitetail hunts have gone on, but I'm just a mountain person. No, and I mean, I, I totally, if you would ask me 12 years ago, I would have been like whitetail, but I think probably after abusing my body and, and hunting elk for so long, after a good mule mule deer hunt and in in you know the season we've had there's something about sitting in a tree stand watching those fuckers come through you know hardwood bottoms it's it's cool but if you'd asked me 10 12 years ago i wouldn't have said whitetails but i think right now if i had to pick for the next let's say five years i don't think i would pick i'd go from mule deer to whitetail um in the rut um i'm probably gonna get some hate mail over that i know right uh, i love hunting whitetails I think it's this funny thing with uh, social media where whitetail hunters are always trying to get people to say it's it's better to kill whitetails than any other game. <laughs> like the cool thing is you don't have to choose. You can do both or you can, if you want, you can choose. You know what? Let's talk about that for a minute because I, was, I get a kick out of um, there was one guy saying how stupid mule deer are and whitetails are harder. I will say 
I think it is tougher to shoot five and a half year old whitetail compared to a five and a half year old mule deer. Um, in everything being equal, having said that, anyone can hunt whitetail. Fat, skinny, doesn't matter. We're the lucky ones. We get to go hunt high country mule deer because we're fit and we can do it. Like that's not a bragging thing. That is a fact. You can be porky, not work out a day in your life. White, you white tail fit. You can be white tail fit. And uh, that fucker is pretty fit, the white tail fit dude. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. You got to stop flexing in the mirror, though, buddy. I get a little, like, freaked out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's a, he's a cool dude. I get these weird feelings in my groin. Yeah. <laughs> but for for high country mule deer, not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody wants to. But, uh, but I think um, shooting a, a mature white tail is probably more difficult than shooting a, a mature mule deer. Um, but you know, you have to also take into consideration too, I might retract my statement if I hadn't been hunting public land, getting my ass beat for elk for so long. You know what? If we were hunting the hill ranch compared to a whitetail, I bet I would pick elk for the next five years when they're screaming in your face coming at you. I think, you know, I'm just, I don't want to say jaded, but man, I've put in a lot of time hunting on public land over the counter hunts and, and, uh, you know, work your whole season to shoot a five by five and very happy that you got one. Um, in comparison, I've been pretty spoiled with whitetail. So it's not a good comparison, I guess. I think it's hard to compare shooting a big mule deer to shooting a big whitetail because uh, you can hunt mule deer in the rut with a rifle. That's when well, a lot of rifle tags are for deer is in yeah with a is in the rut. Where I think with whitetail, is it all archery? A lot of states. Nah, during it's, the rut? it's weird. Like. I mean, I'll, I'll, with uh, depending upon what state you're in, some states like Oklahoma, the freaking rifle season starts in the rut. Oh, I think it starts sweet. on the 10th or 12th or something. I can't remember. But no, it's just weird. I, I think the reality of it is that we all should probably get along and not worry about what's tougher because it doesn't fucking <laughs> matter. Cares, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Um, you know, when people ask, though, you know, when you've hunted elk your whole life compared to hunted whitetail, like whitetail guys are coming down to come out here. By the time November rolls around, I'm ready to eat a ho-ho and sit in a tree stand. I'm ready for a little bit of a break. And there's another thing guys ask, you know, how can you sit in a tree stand for that long? Well, I sit a hell of a lot less in a tree stand than I do behind that fucking spotting scope. You can move a little bit behind the spotter, but sitting for three or four hours isn't that bad in a tree stand. Um, I didn't think. You might have. Unless you got to drop a deuce. Which I have off the front of a lone wolf <laughs> at the time or two. Um, Anyway, uh, no, but we probably let me let me check one more time before we close this off. Keep getting phone calls here. Um, have you noticed any significant advantages in 001 versus 003 straightness arrows? As long as the spine's consistent, I have not. Yeah, that's a good one to finish up on. Um, I do want to say I, I I truly appreciate all the the kind words and emails I'm getting, you know, now 30, 40 a day of thanks for the podcast and thanks for you and Frank being real. And, you know, the fans have truly shown us that, you know, they like to hear unsponsored, unbiased, um, you know, real talk, not, not a sales infomercial. And, and we appreciate hearing the feedback on that. If Toyota wants to hook me up with a new Forerunner, I fucking will take it. Yeah, I'll take a Tacoma. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, Copenhagen. I'll take that sponsorship. Uh, what, kombucha? They owe you. They fucking owe you, man. Yeah, sons of bitches. Um, but, yeah, other than that, we, we really appreciate everything. Appreciate the support, everybody listening in. 